Hey, Rich Paramount, welcome to our podcast. We really hope this message encourages and challenges you as you walk with the Lord every day. Enjoy this message. How many know he's matchless in every way? He really is. You can be seated this morning. We appreciate all of you being here today. We welcome all of you. And we're hoping to resolve this so it could be a lot more cooler. Just think cool. That's all you can do. Just think cool. The best thing you can do today. But we appreciate all of you being here in this house. And uh, we're going to continue this series. Or we're going to continue the series that we started in our conference called Mosaic. And some of you, how many enjoyed the conference? I'm still resonating in it. And I want to say to all of you, sometimes we can experience what we call the conference blues. And say, man, conference is over. Let me tell you, he's the same God in the conference and the same God in the local church. And so today, I tell you, as we worship God, stay open to him. I believe the Lord is going to do something great. But before I even begin uh, to minister this morning, I'm going to pray and ask the Holy Spirit uh, just to have his way in this house today. And that the Lord will minister to every single person in this building. So let's pray. Father, we thank you. For the word of God, we thank you for allowing us to gather in this place to worship you and to give you honor. I pray today that you'd open our hearts, our minds, whatever state of mind we were at and whatever, wherever we're at spiritually today, I pray minister to us in that place right now. We pray the word of God would come alive. And Lord, we know that the word is relevant in 2022. And so I pray today for the anointing of the Holy Spirit. And I declare your word and let the people hear the voice behind the voice in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. So we're on this theme called Mosaic. And many may not be familiar with what a mosaic is if you've never seen one before. And basically what it is, it's the decorative design by setting small colored pieces or stone or tile and even glass. And when you put it together... This beautiful arrangement turns into a picture or even looks like a painting. And the ancient Sumerians uh, first developed the technique back in 3000 BC. And it was developed back then. And then the Egyptians and the Greeks began to adopt the technique. And even the Romans began to create an even more elaborate uh, mosaic design by cutting colored stones and glass and shaping them into a pattern. And the mosaic looked like a, basically this beautiful picture that's arranged with broken tile, uh, jagged edges, rugged uh, rock sometimes, uneven, sharp edges. And yet, when it's all put together, it's this decorative design. And many times when you look at when they're first making it, you may struggle and, and, and trying to figure out what they're making. And if you look, but when you stand back, you begin to see this beautiful, beautiful picture and pattern. And again, I think it's a great picture of our own lives, that we've been broken and our lives have been shattered in so many pieces. And how many know God makes a beautiful design? Uh, there is an author by the name of Terry Williams and she wrote a book called Finding Beauty in a Broken World. And she writes this. She said, charge of glass can cut and wound or magnify a vision. She said, mosaic celebrates brokenness 
and the beauty of being brought together. We've all been broken in some way, no matter what your path is, no matter where you came from, no matter where you started, no matter where you finished, no matter how rich you are, how poor you are, everyone at some level has been broken. And the good news, because as human beings, brokenness binds us together. It's the one thing that we all have in common. So whoever you are, there is some form of brokenness in your life, some more severe than others. Many of us have experienced brokenness in the past, maybe even recently in our lives, and it's the whole thing that binds us and brings us together. Isaiah chapter 61 said it this way, and it basically said, it's talking about God will bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes. The oil of joy instead of mourning, and a garment of praise instead of the spirit of despair. They will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. So no matter what your pain is today, or what your brokenness is today, God will give you beauty for ashes. And believe it or not, he could use your hurt as the platform to minister to someone else. He could use your hurt as the platform to reach those that are lost and dying without Christ. Because there is the beauty in the brokenness of your life when it is redeemed by Christ. When Christ gets involved, it changes everything. And this is what makes all of us so unique. He will use it as a testimony to magnify the vision of his glory in your life. And so this morning, I want to talk about the mosaic in our individual life. As an individual, you are a walking mosaic of God. I kind of like that. I just made that up right now. You're a walking mosaic of God. And so you're just walking masterpiece, so to speak. And all of us at the church are a mosaic. But individually, you're, you are a walking mosaic. And here's the thing about God. He doesn't erase our experiences. He doesn't erase our brokenness. But this is what makes us unique. And he makes beauty out of ashes. And I like the way Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. And this is going to be my text out of Ephesians chapter 2. We're going to minister out of this chapter. But I love what it says. It says, for we are God's masterpiece. Look at someone and say, you're a masterpiece. You are. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. So we're all this walking mosaic, the, this diversity of people. There's so many diversities of people and ethnic backgrounds and, and where you grew up and age and class and experiences. And some of you today, as we were singing Spanish, it's foreign to you. And some of us, man, it's like our first language. Yes, yeah, Spanish, santo, santo. You know, you can, you can just see the people get excited because that's their first language. And they go, man, that's, that's, we've been, I've been waiting for us to sing that. And others are thinking, santo, santo, what is that, you know? And so it, it may be foreign to you, but God somehow makes this beautiful, beautiful mosaic. Now, let me ask you a question. Some of you may be familiar with this TV show. I have flipped through the channels and seen it. 
several different times, have never watched the show, don't plan to watch it, but some, some of you ladies may have watched it or watch it. It's called The Bachelor. Anybody ever watched The Bachelor? Okay, some of you don't want to admit it. And I begin to, you know, I actually didn't even know what The Bachelor was all about, and they start off with about 30 girls who want to marry this available bachelor. They don't even know this guy. They don't, they don't really even know anything about this guy. All they know is that he's good looking. You know, I could be on The Bachelor, you know what I'm saying? And no, I can't. I'm married already, but I'm not about good looking. Anyway, so this good looking guy, he's there. He's looking all good looking. And so they, they meet him on the first night, these 30 girls. And everyone gets the rose except one person. And if the person doesn't get a rose that first night, they got to take a ride home. And I'm constantly, when I'm flipping through the channels, every time you flip through the channels and you, and you go through the bath, somebody's crying. Some, some girls are arguing and fighting. They're trying to talk about each other. They're competing with one another, you know. And then I, I remember watching this one thing where the girl, she didn't get the rose. It's the first night. And she didn't get the rose, so she's in the car. You know, she's going to take, what's wrong with me? There must be something wrong with me. And I'm thinking to myself, there's a lot wrong with you. <laughs> if you only met this guy for five minutes and you thought this was the guy you're going to marry, there's a lot wrong with you. I can name ten things already. Just go down the line. Just from the start, uh, there's just no way you could even think that this is the guy you're supposed to marry, it's obvious to me there is a lot wrong with you. They say, or they shouldn't say they say, but I was reading about it that last night, if you're a contestant on The Bachelor, in other words, you're one of those 30 ladies, you don't get paid one single dime. In fact, every outfit you have to buy. All the styling comes from you, everything. So they say that some of the ladies, actually, some of them have taken out 401Ks uh, to be able to buy outfits. One particular contestant paid $40,000 worth of dresses and makeup, and, and, and uh, others spent up to eight to $10,000. Some have left the, uh, the show in debt, credit card debt. Because you, they have to spend their own money. The guys are a little cheaper because what they do is they're able to uh, share suits. So a lot of them share the suits together. And they don't have to do all their hair and all the makeup. So they don't spend as much as the women do. But it was fascinating to me that these ladies are willing to go into debt. They spend at least four to five times more money than the guys do on the bachelorette. So I'm just thinking all to say at the end, what's wrong with me? What's wrong with me? And I want to just say to you today, if you're in this room right now, I'm going to encourage you today, there is something wrong with you. You may be saying, is there anything? Yeah, there is a lot wrong with you. Without Christ, everything is wrong with you this morning. Without Jesus in your life, there is a whole lot wrong with you. In fact, Ephesians chapter 2, and I'm not going to water it down. Paul the Apostle says, and I'm going to read the scripture in just a few moments. Number one, he says we're sinful, we're spiritually dead, and we are an object of God's wrath or God's punishment. Now, if it's your first time here at Reach Paramount, welcome you. We come to give you a good word today, okay? 
But I'm going to read the scripture because I want all of us, most preachers won't talk about this. Most preachers are going to talk about God's love. They're going to talk about how God has this great plan for your life. Most of them want you to feel good. But I want you to realize when Paul the Apostle writes this, uh, he says some pretty heavy things here that most of us don't want to read about. But I'm going to read it to you because I want to tell you the truth. How many know the truth will set you free? Sometimes the truth will hurt you before it frees you. And uh, that's the truth. I mean, it will hurt you sometimes. It will even offend you at times before it sets you free. But look at the way Paul started off here in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1. He said, once you were dead. Doesn't mean you were roadkill on the side. What he's saying is you were dead spiritually. Once you were dead because what? Of your disobedience. He said, and your many sins, not a few sins. How many of us know we have many sins? He said, all of us used to live that way, following the passionate desires and inclinations of our sinful nature. He said, in other words, our very nature, man, was sinful. And he said, by our very nature, we are subject to God's wrath, just like everyone else. So by nature, you and I are sinful. How do I know that? How many know you don't have to teach a baby to be selfish? It'll say mine, right? You don't have to teach a toddler to lie. They go, nah, I didn't do it. They lie. It's by nature that we're sinful, it says. And by nature, we are subject to God's wrath. In other words, we are subject to God's punishment. The Bible says the wages of sin is death. It says you're subject to God's anger. And this is why the, a mosaic is such a beautiful picture of God taking brokenness and sinfulness and deadness and all of this and make a beautiful picture. But I love verse 4. I love this one right here, what it says here. It says, but God. Somebody say, but God. <laughs> Anytime you see that, when there's a bunch of things being said, when you see these two words being put together, it's a comfort because when God shows up, he changes everything. When God shows up, he changes everything but God. See, you can be broken. You can be shattered. Your whole life can be all messed up, but it says, but God, right? And then what does it say? But God is so rich. What does he mean? Rich what? Abundant. He's so full of mercy or in his mercy it says in other words this is something god's not giving us judgment but he's giving us mercy or pardon and now watch this not, nothing changes until god gets involved but god so rich in mercy he loved us so much that even though we were dead because of our sin what did he do he gave us life thank god Amen. When did he do it? When he raised Christ Jesus from the dead. So it's not anything that we did. It's everything that God has done. How many thank the Lord for that? And then Paul says that is only by God's grace that you've been saved. You need to understand this. I don't want to hold back on this or water it down. I want to just tell you the truth today. It's not about uh, making you feel good. It's about knowing what God has done. There was a lot wrong with us. We were sinful by nature. We were spiritually dead, and we were part of God's wrath. But thank God for the good news. Jesus set us free. He showed us some mercy. Somebody give God praise. 
I'm sorry, folks. I got to drink some water here. The good news is, by his mercy, God has created this wonderful mosaic. Now, the second thing I want to say to all of us, when you know who you are, you'll know what to do. There's something in his grace and his creation and the fact that he's created this beautiful picture out of sinfulness, out of being a subject to God's wrath, he then makes us this beautiful masterpiece. The Bible says we are created or God's masterpiece. In other words, that word masterpiece means that you have been beautifully hand-worked. In other words, you are the handiwork of God. God has personally... He is better than an artist. It's the, he, he's basically the master artist. God has taken your life, and he's made a masterpiece out of you. You're not mass-produced. You're unique. You're the only one. You're the only one with your fingerprint. You're the only one with your DNA. In other words, today, God has made you. You're an original. You're not a photocopy. God says, you are uniquely made, and I'm going to read this to you, verse 8 and 10. Look at what it says. It says, God saved you by his grace when you believe. So when you believe, God saved you. And, he can't, and you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. So it's not nothing you've done. So don't say, I'm all of this in a bag of chips. You're nothing. Amen. It's a gift of God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things that we have done. So none of us can boast about it. There's nothing you've done. For we are what? God's masterpiece. He has created us in you in Christ Jesus so that we can do good things he planned for us long ago. It's very important that we understand that salvation is not a reward for what we've done. It's a reward for what he's done for you. It's nothing that you've done or nothing that you've accomplished. Salvation is not an award for the good things you've done. It's everything that he's done. No matter how hard you try, how religious you are, how much of the Bible you know, how much you go to church, salvation is not something that you receive because of your good works, but because of Jesus' good works. Can you say amen? It says, verse 10, for we are God's masterpiece. I'm not talking about masterpiece barbecue, okay? I am talking about uh, this great creation of God, this beautiful thing. He says he created us anew in Christ Jesus. He, he basically done something new in, in you. Now, we have to understand that we're not saved by the good works, uh, but we are saved for good works. Okay, let me just explain this to you. We're not saved be, by the good thing that we've done, but we are saved to do good things for the one who saved us. We are saved to do good things for the one that saved us. One of the fruits of your salvation, and many people say, well, I'm saved. Well, your life will show it by your good works. Not that it saves you, but when God saves you, you will begin to produce good fruit. It will be a change in your life. There will be a transformation about you. We're not saved by works uh, that anyone could boast, it said, but we're saved because, uh, amen, he saved us and he produces a good work in us and we can make a difference in this world. Now, if you're a Christian today, it doesn't matter how you feel, 
You're saved by his grace. A lot of us say, well, I don't feel like a masterpiece. I'm not that talented. I'm not that good. And we need to understand that no matter how you feel or what you think, it's what his word says and his promise says is about you. You are God's masterpiece. That's what it says. So I don't know if you've ever seen this bumper sticker on a car, but it said, God don't make no junk. You got to say it like that. God don't make no junk. Amen. You don't just say God don't make no junk. It's God don't make no junk. God doesn't make any junk, okay? Here's here. Now, you know, unfortunately, a lot of times it's on a junky car. It don't make no sense. But, but God don't make no junk. And what that thicker is saying is you're a masterpiece of God. And so I want you to say this, okay? You don't have to say it to your neighbor. Just say, I am God's masterpiece. Made in Christ Jesus to do what God created me to do. That's good. Amen. How many thank God for that? You are God's masterpiece. This is this mosaic that I'm talking about. And when you understand that you're God's masterpiece, you'll begin to understand that you have a purpose. That you have a purpose in life. The, the quicker you understand your purpose, the greater your life is going to be. And that word masterpiece can actually, they, they, they say in the Greek it means poema, which means where we get the beautiful word poem, which in other words, you're a poetic statement of the glory of God. You're the perfect workmanship of God. You're this poetic statement of God's workmanship. Another translation said we're this tapestry. You ever seen a tapestry where it's this beautiful design on the back side? It doesn't look beautiful, but on the front side, it looks so beautiful. So you're this tapestry that God has created. He's gotten all the different yarn, different colors, and all of that, and made this beautiful picture, again, almost like that of a mosaic, telling us how great and how beautiful we are. And I want to drive this deep into your soul today. I want you to understand who you are, because when you know who you are, you know what to do. And I want to just drive this really good in you because many of us sometimes we convince ourselves that we're not who we really are. And I want you to know it God's the one that determines who you are. When God says you're something, you need to believe that, okay? And so we've been reading this scripture several times the last few months, but I'm going to read it to you again. And it's David talking about uh, uh, bringing glory to God for his existence. In Psalm 139, verse 10, 13, he goes, For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. Then all of a sudden, he kind of just praises God in the middle of it. He said, And I praise you, God, because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. In other words, I'm confident my frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret plate. When I was woven together, this was where this imagery of tapestry that. When I was woven together in the depths of the earth, your eyes saw my unformed body. Now look at the power of this. It says, all the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. So in other words, God basically knew when you would be born 
the day you would be born, the year you would be born, the time you would be born. And he says, your days have already been laid out. In other words, he's seen you. Uh, and, and in fact, that kind of lines up with Ephesians, what Paul said, he said, you're God's masterpiece uh, uh, created in Christ Jesus to do good works or good, good, do good thing, which God prepared in advance before you were even born for you to do. So in other words, God preordained your life. There's the destiny God has laid out for you before you were even born, before you were even a twinkle in your daddy's eye. Amen. He already seen your life. So when you know who you are, you'll know what to do. You got to know who you are today. Every believer, every person, you're this beautiful mosaic, and many of us don't even know it. It's so powerful to me that we have been born in this time. In this time in history that God decided in this moment, at this time, you would be born right now to serve him best right now. God decided a long time ago that you weren't going to be born in the 1800s, that you, some of you would be born in the 1900s, some of you would be born in the 21st century, 2000, or amen, you would be born in this time, and you would live, I don't know, however long you're going to live, whether it's 70, 80 years, I'm probably going to outlive most of you, I don't know, but anyway, however long you're going to live, there is no better time to be born than right now, that all the gifts... All the skill, all the personality, all of your makeup, you have been born for this time, for such a time as this. Somebody give God glory. And the problem is this. Many people, even in this room right now, you don't believe you're that masterpiece. You're looking around thinking, I, I, you know, I don't have it all together. When you don't understand the purpose of the thing, then you're going to abuse the thing. If you don't understand the purpose of a thing, then you're going to abuse a thing. Now, I want you to go ahead and show that picture. Show, my, show them that first picture that I have up there. How many know what that is? It's not a trick question. That's a butter knife, right? Am I right? That, that, um, none of these are trick questions right here. This is the butter knife. But can I tell you how many times this butter knife has been used as basically a screwdriver? Amen. <laughs> and, and, and I've been to people's kitchen where it's all bent on the end. I go, what have you been using this butter knife for? <laughs> well, you know, I didn't have a screwdriver, so I've been, I've been using it. So when you don't know the purpose of the thing, then you'll begin to abuse that thing. Am I right? Go ahead and show the second picture. And that is a crescent wrench, wrench. Am I correct? That's a crescent wrench, right? And that, that's, the, that's, what, that's the wrench for all things. For some of you Latinos, that's, that's everything wrench right there. You use that for everything anyway. How many know that's not a hammer? I've seen people use this as a hammer. They're banging things with it. I go, that is not a hammer. That is the wrench. Now, this next thing, don't show it yet. I don't want you to be offended. Let me make my point, okay? I need you to just let me make my point right now on what I'm going about to say. All right. It's coming back on. It's all right, guys. It'll work. Okay, so go ahead and show this next picture. How do you know what that is? Okay. All right. What that is, don't be offended. If some of you... People don't know. Probably some of you ladies may not be, know. But this is used. This is called a cup. 
and it's used in a jock strap for a man. You can take it down, okay, before everybody gets all offended. And it basically, what they call this cup, it goes in a jock strap and it protects a man's, you know, important things in his life, okay? It's a protective gear. If you didn't know what that, I don't even know why it has holes in it, but if you don't know what that is, you may think that's like a, some kind of a mask. Believe it or not, I've seen people put it on. It's not good. Don't do it. It's not a mask, not an oxygen mask, okay? But if you don't know the purpose of a thing, you'll begin to abuse that thing, right? I want you to realize today, there's a lot of us today, we don't realize our purpose in life. You don't realize, and so you begin to abuse your life, okay? If, you're, if you live a life without purpose, you're living time without meaning. And life without purpose, let me just say it this way, reduces everything down to an experiment. Because you don't know what your purpose is. So you begin, your life becomes an experiment of things. Just like this butter knife or this other thing. You're using it, you're experience, you're, you're using it as an experiment. This job is an experiment. This relationship, it's okay, guys, don't worry about it. We're, we're going to get through this, okay? This job is an experience. This person, he or she or, you know, oh, it wasn't her, it wasn't he, him, it was maybe the next one. It's all an experiment because you don't know the purpose of your life. And here's the deal. You don't know the purpose of your life. If you don't know the purpose of the thing, don't ask the thing. Ask the creator. Can you say amen? We're trying to ask the wrong question, or we're asking the wrong question, and we're experimenting with everything, and God is saying, if you just ask me, I'll give you your purpose. If you'll just seek God, he'll give you your purpose in life. Otherwise, you're going to be using a cup as an oxygen mask, okay? As God's masterpiece, listen to me, as God's masterpiece today, you have everything you need to do everything God wants you to do. You have everything that you need to do everything that God wants you to do. First Peter, Second Peter chapter 1, verse 3, I love what it says here. It says, God's divine power has given us everything that we need. In other words, he's given us everything that we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of him. It's through our knowledge of him who has called us by his own glory and goodness. So think of it this way. God never calls someone to be a masterpiece and say, oh, you know what? I I made a mistake. Are you hearing me? When God made a masterpiece, he knows who he made, and he's given you everything that you need to do everything he asked you to do. Think, let, me, let me say it this way. When, do you remember when God spoke to Moses? The Bible said God spoke to Moses from a burning bush, and he said, I've called you, Moses, I've called you to be, this is the God of Jacob, you know. And, oh, yes, Lord, you remember, the, you know, Charlton Heston, all of that. So here he is, he, he talks to Moses, and he tells him, I'm sending you to Egypt. You're going to be this great deliverer. And what did Moses say? Moses began to say, I'm inadequate. I'm not a good speaker. I'm not good enough to do it. Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh. And what did God say? My bad. You know, I made a mistake. I'm, gosh, you're right. You don't have it together. My goodness. What was I thinking? Duh. You know, God doesn't say that, right? God says, hey, I've sent you. 
I know what I'm doing, right? God doesn't make a mistake. So a lot of us think, well, I don't qualify. God, 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 God put you in a certain place at a certain time because he knew you had the equipment to do it. He, he divinely equipped you and divinely empowered you. Somebody say amen to use you for his glory. Now, here's the problem with most of us this morning is what we have is masterpiece envy. We're looking at other people and saying, well, I'm not like that person. I don't have that. I wish I looked like this. God didn't create. I wish I was taller. I wish I was shorter. I wish I was bigger. I wish I was smaller. All these different things. And we're always saying, you know, I wish I was lighter, darker. All these different things. You know, I got, you know, I wish I had more hair. All these different things in your life. And we begin to have this masterpiece envy. And we don't realize we got everything we need to do everything he's called us to do. Did you hear me? I was reading this story about this pastor who was uh, at this sunset. He was, uh, he was sitting there watching the sunset. If you've ever watched the sunset in the ocean or you've ever been on a cliff or wherever you've been, uh, they, they got this. We were at, my wife and I were in San Diego the last few days, and we went to this place called Sunset Cliff there in San Diego. It's beautiful, the cliffs. You can actually go down the stairway. It's easy to go down. It's harder to go back up. But anyway, we're saying, oh, my God, what do we do? But it's beautiful. I mean, these beautiful cliffs. I mean, I, I've never been there before. And so uh, and then they have the sunset that sets right there. They, it's like the most beautiful place in San Diego to watch the sunset. But this guy was watching the sunset. And this pastor said as he was watching it, he could see, you know, how beautiful the water was blue. The sun was huge on the horizon. And he felt like God spoke to him again. He didn't, he didn't hear God verbally, but God, God impressed on him. He felt like God speaking to him, and God said this to him. He was feeling this in his spirit. He said, do you think this is a magnificent picture? And he said, yes, God. He said, do you think this is my greatest creation, my most prized painting? And he thought for a moment, he goes, God, this must be. The sunset, it's magnificent. This must be the greatest thing. And he, and, and he felt God said, no, it's not. Then he thought about, well, God, you know, uh, last year, I was at the Rocky Mountains. That must have been it right there. I bet it's the Rocky Mountains. And God said, no, that's not it either. He said, then it must be the solar system, the Milky Way. I'm missing it. That's got to be. He goes, no, that's not either. My most prized possession, the painting that I'm most proud of, is you. God's saying that to you today. You're his most prized possession, the most proud painting the greatest possession the masterpiece of his life is you today you may not see that yourself that way but i need to tell you that you're his greatest creation because god took the time to breathe life into you you're made in his image if you're made in the image of god you are the most beautiful person in the world amen we're the most beautiful creation that god has ever made i'm sure god was proud of all the other things but, man, when he made you, he said, man, you're his most prized possession. So don't get all bent out of shape because you're not this tall, this big, and all these different things. How many of you have ever, you know, you, you, all of us, you have probably a name tag on your shirt. Don't look now. But you probably, it probably says made in Taiwan or made in China, made in America. Wouldn't it be great if all of us would look at the tag on our life and said, you're made by the creator, God Almighty. Amen. You are made by him. 
and God has looked at you as his most prized possession. Now, I want to just be honest with you today. There's some things in life that maybe we're not gifted in, and we got to be okay with that. You're not, you may not have that person's talent or that person's gift, but man, God gifted you in another area. So don't get this masterpiece envy is what I'm saying. You're God's most prized possession. One of the things I realize is I really can't dance. My wife and kids say, my head's moving, but my body's not following. It's a nightmare because I, I really feel like I've got the moves and all everything's happening. They said, no, dad, your head's moving. But your body is doing nothing. Amen. So I realize I'm not that great of a dancer. Uh, I'm not a great car mechanic. I do know some things, but I'm not uh, probably, you don't want me working on your car. I may know a few things. I'm not a great carpenter. Although my dad was a carpenter by trade, I learned some things, but most of the time I'm not. But, but, I got, uh, but I'm good at what I do, and I got to thank God for what he created me to do. You got to thank God for he, what he created you to do. Don't worry about what this other person's doing. Be content and happy for the way God made you. Can you say amen? See, God has this ability, even when you've ruined it, even when you messed up. This is the great thing about God. This is why Mosaic is so beautiful. That even though you've broken your life and maybe you've made mistakes and you've done all these stuff, God can take the broken pieces and remake you. The Bible gives us a great illustration, and, and I'm going to end in just a few moments, but he basically tells us that he's the potter and we're the clay. And before I even read that scripture, I think a good scripture is Romans chapter 8, verse 28. Most of us are familiar. We know that all things, it says all things, uh, work together for the good. Now, let me ask you a question. Did that include all the good things? Yes. Does it include all the bad things? Yes. Does it include all the ugly things? Yes. The good, the bad, the ugly. Does it include all the things that you're so thankful for that happened in your life? Yes. Does it include the things that you wish never happened? Yes. All of those things. God didn't call them in your life, but he called them to work together for the good to those that love God and are called according to his purpose. Now, is this for everybody? Actually, no. It's only for those that are believers in Christ. The Bible talks about that he is the potter and we are the clay. And when our life seems like it's going in the wrong direction, he's able to remake us. How many thank God for that? There's a scripture and, I, and it talks about going down to the potter's house. And in Jeremiah chapter 18, if you're not familiar with the scripture, this is the great picture of God making a masterpiece. And in Jeremiah chapter 18, verse, so I went down to the potter's house and I saw him working at the potter's wheel and he was using his hand to make a pot from clay, but something went wrong with it. Amen. So the potter used that clay to make another pot the way he wanted it to. So even if you've been marred, even if there's been all kinds of problems, God puts you on his wheel again. And he's making this beautiful creation. 
even when you've ruined it, even when all things have not worked together the way you've wanted it to, can I tell you, when God remakes you, he reshapes you, and he makes you a new person, and he makes you this beautiful mosaic of his masterpiece picture in your life. You need to begin to change your mind. There needs to be a, 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 a mind shift today that you're God's masterpiece. You're the mosaic of God's masterpiece today. I want us to pray. Why don't we bow our heads and close our eyes. Father, we thank you today that God, we're your most prized possession. God, we, we can't even believe it. We're, we're the most, your most prized creation. And we thank you, God, for that. That you're so good. That Lord, of all the wonderful things that you created in life, all the beautiful things that we see that God you say to us that we're your prize we're your masterpiece today so father I pray that you'll reach across this room right now that Lord there are masterpieces sitting all over this building today you love them you care about them and maybe they've abused some of those things in their life because they they didn't know their purpose. They didn't know why they were created. But God, you created them for a purpose. You have a destiny today. You have a plan. You love them. So Holy Spirit, I pray that you'll reach across this room right now. With every head bowed, every eye closed for just a moment. If you're in this room and you've never asked Jesus to come inside your life, ask him to come inside your heart today. Can I tell you, there's someone that loves you. He cares about your life. You may say, well, pastor, I, I don't know. You know, I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know where I'm going, maybe. Or maybe you do. But can I tell you, without Christ, without Jesus, friend, you're lost. The Bible says that God loves us so much. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. That whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life today. So he's reaching out to you by his grace, by his love today. He loves you. He cares about you. Friend, you need the Lord in your life today. I don't know how you see yourself, but I want you to know you're God's masterpiece. He wants to come in your heart. He wants to save your soul. He wants to change your life. He wants to make a difference in your life today. You may say, well, I'm too young. I'm telling you, it doesn't matter how young you are, you need the Lord. I'm too old. No matter how old you are, you need God in your life. He's the one that can make a difference in your life today if you're honest with God right now. So if that's you, you're in this building, every eye closed, every head bowed for just a moment. You're in this room right now. Say, Pastor, I need, I need the Lord in my life. I need Jesus in my life today. I need the Lord in my heart today. Friend, be honest with God. Say, that's me, Pastor. I need the Lord in my life. Would you raise your hand? Is there anyone here right now? You say, that's me. I need the Lord in my life right now. I need God in my life. I'm not here to embarrass you. I'm not here to shame anyone. I want to give you an opportunity to give your life to the Lord today. Because I can tell you, I know what it is to be lost. I know what it is to not have the Lord in my life. That's why with passion... I can tell you that God wants to forgive you, that God wants to come in your life today, that you need the Lord in your life because I know what it is. I've experienced being without Christ. I know what it is to not have God in my life. 
I was lost. I didn't grow up in church. I didn't grow up coming to church. I was lost without Jesus, man. And when I came to Christ, he changed my life. I know what I'm talking about. And today he wants to do that for you. Maybe you didn't grow up in church. Maybe you didn't grow up coming to church. Friend, you need God in your life today. He's your hope. Be honest with God. Say, Pastor, I need Jesus in my life. Raise your hand. Is there anyone here right now? You'd raise your hand. I don't want you to leave here. God bless you, young man. Thank you. Thank you. You put your hand down. Somebody else? Anybody else? Say, that's me. That's me. Man, you were waiting. God's waiting on you. God's waiting on you. So that's, that's me. Anybody else? You'd raise your hand right now and say, that's me. I need God in my life. I know what I'm talking about today. I know what it is to not have Jesus. And today you need him in your life. Raise your hand right now. Is there anyone else right now? Maybe you were once walking with God. At one time you were serving the Lord. But you're not walking with God today. Be honest right now. Say, I, I need to come back to the Lord. I need to rededicate my life to Jesus. Who are you? Raise your hand right now. Say, that's me. Pastor, I need to come back to the Lord today. I need, I need to rededicate my life. Somebody over here, God bless you. Thank you. You put your hand down. Thank you. Anybody else? Several people already. Why am I doing this? To give you an opportunity. I don't want you to leave here and say, well, God never, God never spoke to me by the Holy Spirit. I never got the opportunity to get right with God. You're here today. I'm giving you the opportunity. I'm taking some time in this service to tell you today, God's giving you an opportunity to get right with God. Get right with God today. Anybody else? You'd raise your hand. Anybody else right now? You'd raise your hand. I don't want you to leave here the same way you walked in today. Is there anyone else in this room? You need God in your life today. I want to pray with those that raise their hand. You raise your hand. Look up at me real quick. You mean that there? You mean that? Would you guys come real quick? Why don't we all stand together? Why don't we all? When would you come? Amen. I, someone come with this young man here. God bless him. We're not here to embarrass you. We're here to pray for you. Amen. This young lady here. Amen. Pray with him. Can you pray with him right there? Can I have someone pray with this young lady here? God bless you. Thank you for coming. God bless you. Come on. Let's worship God. Let's worship God. Thanks so much for listening to this message from Reach Church Paramount. To stay connected with us, follow us on Instagram or Facebook at Reach Paramount. To give and support this podcast and ministry, visit our website at reachparamount.com slash give.